Okay, everybody, you've just tuned in to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. And we are indeed in the dead period, which means, A, we hope that all of our Steelers are getting in shape for the long season, having a little fun, and not doing anything stupid. Uh, and at the same time, that means we have lots and lots of things to discuss, even though they aren't really in the news, but hey, that's what we're here for. So tonight we're going to do a couple of different things. We're going to look at some defensive linemen. We're going to talk a little bit about Coach Tomlin, and then who knows, maybe even we'll let uh, uh, Chris discuss what he thinks about Anthony Chiquillo's pass rushing clinic. Uh, in any case, I'm surprised I didn't get a laugh out of you, seen it? No? No laugh out of that one? Uh, I, don't even, I don't like talking pass rushes anymore as anybody. It's just not fun anymore. Well, yeah. And anyway, anyway. Uh, Chris and Ben are joining me tonight, and uh, we're just going to jump right into it. And, uh, you know, one guy that, that, that we all liked very much coming out of college, out of South Carolina State, was Javon Hargrave. And um, we were thrilled when the Steelers did, in fact, draft him. Um, and, and, you know, Chris, uh, we liked him. But at the same time, um, we, we've seen him develop into a pretty darn good defensive lineman. What have you liked so far? And, and what do you think uh, kind of the future still holds for this guy? Yeah, I had a second-round pick. Um, I had a second-round grade for him mm-hmm. coming out. And uh, um, for, from what he's been asked to do so far um, – there's nothing much to dislike. I think he's been extremely consistent. Uh, he doesn't disappear. Um, penetrates gaps really well. Gets to the quarterback. Gets in the, in the backfield and uh, disrupts the run. So you like that. Um, I would like to see him get more snaps and ask them, ask them, ask him to do more um, and get a little more creative with him because I think that he offers more than just being that nose tackle esque guy. I think he offers more than that. His skill set is. Um, is a, is diverse enough where you're, you can put him on the field? I think in, in any situation, and he'll perform for you. So, um, him getting in the backfield is by far his biggest um, his biggest mm-hmm. attribution to the team. And um, like I told you guys um, before, I think that he is the next guy up in terms of a contract that really deserves to get paid, um, especially on this defensive line with with Tui underperforming. Uh, you got to lock up a guy who's been extremely consistent in Hargrave. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll discuss Mr. Tuitt here coming up shortly. Uh, ben, uh, Javon has played three seasons um, and has put up some pretty nice numbers, especially compared to uh, the amount of snaps he's on the field. Um, so, yeah, going into an important fourth year. And uh, you have mentioned before that you would like to see him uh, on the field even more often. What do the Steelers need to do to do that? Or maybe the question also is, why isn't he on the field more? Well, he's not on the field more because they've got a huge investment in Stefan to it. And they're trying yeah. to see the benefits of that investment. Um, I think, I think that's foolish, but you know, it mm-hmm. kind of is what it is. His best year really was last season and he kind of came on and it's funny. We were talking offline before we started recording, and he's he's actually played a little bit less each season. He's played a little bit smaller role mm-hmm. in the defense each year uh, in terms of percentage of snaps. But he's he's stuck at about forty three percent last year. I think it was forty six or forty seven the year before that, and forty seven his rookie year. And forty percent of the snaps for a, a player who plays that well 
just doesn't do it. And the only way to get him more snaps is play is either play more five man fronts and give him opportunities to get to the quarterback. But I think that that's difficult given given the way teams are playing offense right now. You'd have to have one linebacker out there and five defensive backs. You know, if you're going to play a five man mm-hmm. front, you mm-hmm. can do that sometimes. But if you do it all the time. They're just going to throw over the rush and and they're going to gouge you. So you can't expect to do that consistently. Uh, so then the other thing you do is you pull to it off off the field and and you do more rotation with Hargrave. Um, and I that would be my preference, honestly. Right. I you know and and I know we're, we're going to segue into this in a bit, but yeah, I think to this point, especially given the fact that. Tuitt makes more than his his line mate, Cam Hayward. He really has underachieved. He's not delivered on that promise of potential uh, at any point, in my opinion, in, in his Steelers career. He's, he's a guy who is inconsistent. Sometimes he's a monster, and other times he's just there. And it's it, there's way too much of the just there aspect. Yeah. And, and uh, you know... My understanding is he didn't like the way that John Mitchell was asking him to play, mm-hmm. and he was really looking forward to Dunbar coming in and taking over the D line coaching. And now Dunbar's there, and a year later, Stefan doesn't have any excuses. He needs to to deliver, or you know, something else needs to happen. Well, so let's let's continue with with to it here for a second. And, and Chris, let, let me get into the kind of the the play analysis here of, of to it, and you can kind of take it from there. You know, the the idea that, or I shouldn't say the idea, but what we see a lot is that Cam Hayward gets a lot of double teams, and therefore Stefan Tuit is left in a lot of one on one situations. And as Ben said. Once in a while, we see like this this beast emerge out of Tuit, and he runs through twelve people and makes an amazing play. Um, it, it, is it a lack of effort? Is it a lack of technique? What is it with Tuit? Because they've obviously paid him a lot of money to be able to handle guys one on one, and he's not doing that effectively and efficiently. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, of his fan club would say that he's been injured, and injuries have. Um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of factored into the to his not being able to live up to a contract, but um, <clears throat> he's just not getting off blocks well enough. He's not uh, getting to the passer quick enough. He's not, um, you know, he's 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 in the right sp- right in the right spot. He's just not making plays. I mean, yeah. uh, in in the last four years of him being an actual starter, uh, he's averaged twenty eight tackles a year solo, and that's just not cutting it. That's um, what, less than two a game. If you, yeah, less mm-hmm. than two a game. Mm-hmm. You, you can't have it. You can, you cannot have that getting paid. That um, I, I think that what we need to do um, as a fan base is recognize that he's underachieved and and ask him uh, to to really step up. And I think that you know every year you, you see the, the the do it to it slogan from him coming into camp and. Um, yeah. You really want him to turn it on, and like Ben said, he sometimes he's an absolute monster, and sometimes we wonder if it's really him on the field. Well, yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. It's it's like this, uh, uh, 
you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing where you see one, expect the other. And, and it, it's, it's, you know, such a struggle um, to get the guy you need to see, you know, Ben, you, you alluded to it. He's making more money than Cam Hayward. And I don't think there's too many Steelers fans that would argue that Cam Hayward is clearly the top defensive lineman um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and Stefan Tuitt doesn't necessarily have to be the top lineman for the Steelers, but he's got to be doing more than what he is um, for the price really, that they are, in fact, paying him, right? Yeah, he, he really should be the best lineman on the team, or at least it should be a conversation where you're you're going, well, who's better, Cam or, or Stefan? Because, I mean, these guys are mm-hmm. being paid extremely well. Stefan is – he's the number three cap hit on the whole team this year. Yeah. That's okay. huge. Yeah, I mean Hayward actually has a higher cap hit this season, but it's not it's not he doesn't make more money. If you average out their contracts, Cam's at about ten and a half million and Stefan's at twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. and Cam Jordan just got a raise to seventeen million a year, and I would expect that Cam Hayward is probably gonna be in that neighborhood. Probably next season is my guess because correct me if I'm wrong. I'll look this yeah, up I'm real quickly. He's, he, he's got he's got two years left. So after this yeah. season, they're likely to extend him to lower his cap hit some and and give them some back end years mm-hmm. on his contract um, and let him finish his career as a Steeler. So yeah, he's probably going to go to 17 million a year in new money is my guess, given that that's a new standard and the things will be correct, corrected, but two is making way too much at 12 million a year to be a guy who's just a guy. Well, let let, let me ask you real quick, Ben, why did the Steelers sign him for so much money? Because they offered him less and he wouldn't accept it and they didn't want him to leave. (laughs) Well, that's the short version. I mean, right. they, they they basically they offered him what Cam was making, mm-hmm. and he said no. He said no, never ever. What did he say? He said never ever like accept that. less than you think you're worth ever. Mm-hmm. And he held things up, and his extension took months longer than it should have. And they finally they they gave in and gave him the money that he wanted because he had this immense potential that they were expecting to see come to life. And that they would be able to capitalize on, and it just hasn't happened. So the question I have for both of you is, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if things continue this way and Stefan Tuitt doesn't doesn't deliver on that potential, do they cut him or ask him to take a pay cut, or do they just roll forward? Well, Chris, I'll I'll let you tackle that one first. Okay, Um, pun intended. Yeah. Um, I'm not asking you what you would do. I th- I'm right. asking you what you think they'll yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I, I think that, that oh, man, when was the last time they asked someone like this to take a pay cut? I don't even know. James Harrison. Uh, okay. So going he forward, said, James set up your ass and cut, and, and, <laughs> and they cut him. Yeah. Who do we have behind two? I mean, he has all the leverage right now. Um, so they would have Hargrave. To- are you going to transition him into the into the five tech, or what do you do in the in the three four base? Um, um, 
I mean, in the three four base, as little as they play it, you know, you're twenty five percent. I don't want to say you can just plug anybody in there a nose tackle, but it's easier to find a nose tackle than it is a a yeah. an effective three tech slash five tech. So, yeah, my my feeling would be if 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 they let him go, they would plug somebody in a nose tackle and move Hargrave over. I think that that what they would do if he does not um, kind of step up a lot this year is ask him to take a pay cut, and if not, I um you know it's tough to to be objective here, but um mm-hmm. you know what I, uh, very real quick what I would do is is if he doesn't take a pay cut is try and trade him. If not, I um I cut him honestly. Um, he's just a guy right now, and you don't want to see it. Well, what what is you know, we, we've talked in the past about Bud Dupree and what we, you know, need to see from him to even potentially consider bringing him back. And, of course, we've talked about the situations that if he plays that well, he's probably going to go elsewhere for a big free agent payday anyway. But uh, what do we need to see from Stefan Tuitt, though? I, I mean, the best he's ever had was, what, six and a half sacks, uh, mm-hmm. I think, in his second year. You know, and, and again, he plays a position that isn't necessarily a sack-happy position. Don't get me wrong. But we need to see more from him in terms of sacks, quarterback pressures, um, and getting in the backfield, that type of stuff. What do we need to see? You know, Ben, I, I mean, what what has to happen for us to be able to say, ah, okay, now he's making his money? Uh, I'd like to see him at about eight and a half or nine sacks and in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 quarterback hits. And, you know, th- that position isn't going to get a lot of tackles, but – Let's just say on top of what I've already mentioned, an additional, uh, I don't know, 36 to 48 tackles total. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he had a better season last year than he had in 2017. And, and he yes. also played a couple more games than he played in 2017. And yeah, part of his issue has been health, as Chris alluded to. But it's it's gotten to the point where he's really using that as a crutch, in my opinion, because Agreed. he's... He's never, since his rookie year, he's never played a full 16 games. And you can only use health as an excuse for so long. And when you're playing as many more snaps as the guys behind you, and they're producing at the same rate you are, there's something wrong, man. And there's only so much money to go around on the defensive line. And I I agree with what Chris said before. Mm -hmm. If, If you get to the point where he's just not doing it, He's got three years left at, at about nine million per each, on and that's just in base salary. Um, on his contract after the season, right? You'd think that you could trade him. Now you're not going to get a lot for him if if they give up on him. You know the the NF the currency in NF in NFL terms seems to be a, a sixth rounder. You yes. might get a fifth, maybe, maybe somebody will mm-hmm. say, "Well, I I see some potential," or yeah. I don't know, change God, of scenery will do him good. Yeah, God forbid yeah. that somebody within the AFC North wants him. Then you get five men, <laughs> but, um, but you know you've got about thirteen million dollars after this year in remaining bonus proration you have to deal with. That's still going to hit your cap because they uh, they restructured him last yeah. year, so it it makes things a little more difficult to swallow. But it can be done, and I'll be honest, man, I. I just think given how much he's making and how and his level of effectiveness when you combine the two it just doesn't make sense to keep him at that rate. Yeah. 
So you, you either no, trade him or or you you ask him to take a pay cut like they did James Harrison and and he either does it or doesn't. You know, Jerome Bettis took a pay cut. Remember that? Oh boy, I oh, that's going back. I did yeah. forget about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh I, I you know, I, I tend to go with Chris. I, I think, you know, if his numbers come in as they've been or or less, I think you have to ask the pay cut. You have to look for the trade. Ultimately, you have to cut. Um, they're just you're left with no other options. I, I think at that point. Um, uh, again, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. You're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Twenty Six Shirts dot com slash Pittsburgh. And uh, just for a few more days, you can still get the Cheers to Pittsburgh T-shirt. And um, the uh, eight dollars from every shirt sold goes to. Uh, Nolan Lowry, who uh, his dad is a, a, a friend of SCB, big time Steelers fan, and uh, they are trying to raise money to to get Nolan um, a service dog and uh, something that that uh, they really really need. And Nolan has had some struggles and and uh, definitely could benefit from this. So please consider getting uh, one of these shirts and uh, doing something good at the same time, um, guys. Uh, this week it was uh, kind of brought to our attention that, uh, you know, there's going to be an overhaul of the special teams. Now, I think I speak for all of us and perhaps many, many, many others when I say a real overhaul would be sending special teams coach Danny Smith packing, but that's not going to happen. Um, so, Chris, knowing that Danny Smith is still there, what does an overhaul of special teams mean to you? Um, I mean, if you look at the back half of the draft, you really see a lot of special teams guys. And um, yeah. uh, even Justin Lane, I think Justin Lane's not going to get on the field right away. So they're going to put him on special teams, perhaps. Uh, Sutton Smith, special teams. Um, Ulysses Gilbert, if he makes a team, special teams for sure. Um, so that's what you'd like to see. I mean, that's th- that's three. Um, new guys getting put in a lot, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism getting put in to a um, to a, a unit where it really just hasn't done much um, mm-hmm. and has, has little to show for it, um, and especially on the return game. Um, the 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 return game, you see, just missed assignments, and you, they don't know who to block. They don't know um, whether to combo or, or to get off, and um, you don't like to see that because that, that reflects on Danny Smith. But at the same time, um, you know, you got guys like Switzer coming in like what, like a week before the season. Um, yeah. You got Juju returning kicks. It's just like, it, it's just, there's no stability. Uh, we haven't had a staple kick returner or punt returner. Well, I guess <laughs> you can go punt return with AB, but a uh, kick returner uh, in a while. Um, that's something that we really need. And um, especially with, you know, kick returns, it, it, it's really detrimental when you, return a kick and you don't get to at least the 20 to 25 yard line. Um, then you're asking Ben to march 75 yards. Right. Um, so uh, what we really need is some splash plays on the, uh, on that, in that area. And I really believe that what, what we brought in is speed and athleticism can really help out um, defensively on you know, the um, coverage and, and yeah, coverage. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Ben. What uh, what what does an overhaul look like to you? Is it is it like Chris is suggesting with the splash plays? Is there just something a little bit more uh, along the lines of basic fundamentals? I think uh, 
all the rookies will play special teams, even Devin Bush this year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not Bush because they're they're tasking him yeah. with so much mentally on the defense. Right. But it's not that they're afraid of what can what he can handle physically. They they play their rookies on special teams quite a bit. So I definitely expect Justin Lane to play special teams and Deontay Johnson. I expect him to mm-hmm. compete to be that return man. And I totally forgot about him. If, wow. If uh, Johnson gets the job as a returner, uh, that makes Switzer expendable. And I, you know, we all like Ryan Switzer a lot, but that's, you know, a lot of the reason that he's around. You you only need so many slot receivers, man. <laughs> and you got Juju, who does his best work there, and he's the number one receiver, so he's definitely going to stick around. Um you got Eli Rogers, who can also return punts, and you know you got Deontay Johnson, who was a, a very good returner in college. Now, granted, mm-hmm. it's college, college. It's a smaller school as well, Toledo. Yeah, so it's not yeah. like you know they're just going to say to him, "Yeah, we expect you to be the, the return guy," like they did with Dre Archer. God. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, all those guys, uh, even, you know, even Benny Snell, he's not, he's not really a guy that I would, I would say you're going to put it like Gunner or anything, No, but he can be a guy who runs down the field on the punt team, for example, and, you know, goes after somebody to to make a tackle. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he can play some of the other units they've got out there, uh, Gentry, uh, maybe not. Sutton Smith for sure can play special teams. A lot oh, of yeah. Ulysses Gilbert, those guys can fly. So I would expect both of them to be out there on special teams. Um, so yeah, I I, I agree with with, a little, with what a lot of Chris just said uh, as well. You've got guys like DHB who was a special team stalwart for yeah. for years, and he's gone, and it's just because he just didn't do all that much last year on teams. Right. They appreciated what he did, but he he slowed down a little bit. It happened. Um, so some some of those guys, some of those older guys going out, some younger guys coming in. That's a lot of this revamped special teams. I don't expect Danny Smith to change much. Um, I think half the problem is Danny Smith knows exactly what he wants them to mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. but he's not very good at conveying it to the players. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's just. You know, it's well, instinct because it doesn't matter who you talk to. I mean, I've talked to guys that work in the league. I've talked to guys that work in the media in Pittsburgh. They're like, yeah, he's super knowledgeable. He knows all the rules. He knows all. He knows the coverages. No matter what you throw at him, he's got an answer for it. I'm like, oh, that's great. Why are special teams so bad? Well, <laughs> I well, don't know. I mean, first and foremost, it's very hard to understand your coach when he's got six packs of bubble yum in his mouth at one yeah, time. There's that. Uh, but, but, but that that aside, um, to me, going back to Ryan Switzer for a minute, Switzer to me is the type of guy that, and, and I'm going to sound holier than thou here, so I apologize. He's the type of guy that a lot of Steelers fans get caught up with because he is such a good guy. Okay, and he's wow. He's what a fantastic. jerk, Mark. Why do you have to put it like yeah. that? Hold on, I'm not done yet. Okay, he's he, he's such a good guy. He's great on social media. He's just he says all the right things. You know, people definitely loved him because he's one of the first that came out and and stood up for Ben during the whole off season crap. 
the fact of the matter is, as you mentioned, there's a lot of slot potential guys on this roster. And and if Johnson, the rookie, comes in and takes over at punt return, kick return, uh, there's very little reason to keep Ryan Switzer around. And and that's when it gets difficult, I think, for some Steelers fans to, why are they getting rid of Switzer, man? Why are they getting rid of Because they're not looking at the fact that he might be a good guy um, and, and all that. But at the same time, he's just not fitting into the team anymore. And uh, you have to remember, folks, it's a business. Believe it or not, it's still a business. And you got to put the best people, best talent on the field not just the best guys. I, I I felt that little rant coming, Ben, when you were talking there. So I, I'm gonna he's better than Eli this. Rogers. I'm going to record this tomorrow, and I'm going to put it on the internet with the caption that says, Steel Dad is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd probably get some agreement from some people. But now, Chris, what did you just say? I, I heard it. What was it? Yeah, he, he's better than Eli Rogers, and I don't think it's close. I mean, Eli Rogers In the slot? Deep. Eli Rogers was decent in what 2016, three years ago. You break. Uh, I, I don't agree with that. I don't. I don't think there's much difference between the two players in the slot. I do, especially, I do, especially after the catch. So yeah. I think Switz, I, I like Switzer's quickness. I think he's quicker than Rogers. Uh, yeah, but he goes down on he goes down on contact pretty easily yeah. because of his size. Yeah. I, I'm just not meh, not overly impressed with him as a receiver. Well, but I guess that's what I'm getting at is that you've got those guys, um, you know, and, and we still don't really know what we've got with Deontay Johnson just yet. Um, so we, we can't really beat that drum. But I guess I'm just using that as an example that we've seen in our lives, guys, many, many, many times where people fall in love with a Steeler, not because he's a great player or a guy that contributes. They fall in love with him because he's such a nice person, you know, and, and it's it's like, hold the phone here. Nice like people Al. are exactly, yeah. Villanueva is a great, a great example. Now that but, said, I, I think Al's, Al's also in, gotten better every year. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I think early on, Chris is right. You, you know, everybody loved Al. He's a veteran. I mean, who doesn't love that? He gave, you know, for his country and and everything. And and we all respect that. We don't even need to mention that. It's just the fact that when we were looking at him as a football player, people got mad at us because we would talk about that he had this weakness or he struggled here. And, guys, we're on board. We, he's, you're right, man. He's improved every single year. Right. And, and and I think he'll continue to get better. Um, but, yeah, that's just that that part of me that throws that out there because I always, I always fear for Steelers fans getting too emotional about things. Um, that, that really oh, that's a given, man. It. That's going to happen yeah, for sure. Well, that's not even – why would you even consider I that know. as a, I fear it's going to happen. It'll definitely happen I, for sure. So yeah, may as well so just much. accept it. No, I know. I know. Um, guys, we, uh, I, I do want to talk about one more thing here. Um, and it happens to be head coach, Mike Tomlin. And uh, this, this little discussion piece goes out to our buddy, Craig, because we, we all know how Craig feels about Mike Tomlin. And, he loves um, him. He, he, he does. He loves them. He, he has a Mike Tomlin shrine in his home. Um, actually, it might have darts in it. But um, Chris, uh, Coach Tomlin has two years left in his contract. The Steelers typically extend at this point. They have not done that yet. 
Um, there have been rumors in the media that uh, they may make this kind of a prove it year. You got rid of the problem children and Bell and Brown. Let's see what you can do now that things are, are more settled. Um, you're the Steelers. Do you extend? Do you give him uh, uh, a, a longer contract now, or do you follow that principle of a prove it year? Um, a few things with Tom. I think two of his biggest feats were challenges and I think being a little bit too lenient and the challenges portion uh, I think is getting um, at least help with I think Tara Austin is helping him this year with challenges uh, which is great and then another thing with the leniency um, getting rid of AB and Bell and um, at least the problem children uh, is going to help in this I think he learned a lesson and um, I think moving forward we need to see that um, from him. So if, if those two things come to fruition um, and get uh, and get some help, um, I don't see why you don't extend him. I think that he's an underrated coach. I think that, um, you know, really good head coaches don't grow on trees. I mean, you see no. all the turnover in the league every year. It's like almost half, it seems. Um, also, you know, the players really love to play for him. They love him as a, as a person and definitely as a coach. Um, which you like to see because um, we, we could have Adam Gase here. We could have, um, you know, other guys who are really unknowns and you don't know what they're going to bring, you know, what they're going to change. Um, so um, I like what we have. I think Tomlin's is a, a really good coach. And I think that um, what he brings to the team is, um, is something that a lot of teams don't have. And, you know, what he's done winning on the field, uh, I think is, yeah is up there too, because I know, you know, the Super Bowls and the championships, this is that, but, um, you know, being in the playoffs all this time and, and, and winning, and this is that, um, it has to come into to play at some point. I mean, I know that we're not winning Super Bowls every year, but yeah. uh, at the same time, getting supplied by Kevin Colbert, raw athletic talent who shouldn't be on the field, um, <laughs> and him, he has to play them, uh, right. has to come right. into consideration as well. Uh, now, j- just for the record, so you would uh, I- extend his contract prior to the start of the season? Um, I uh, no, I-, I think he has to no. play the season out because okay. of what I said with the, with those two factors. But if I see those two things improve, yes, I do. Okay, all right, very good. Season, yes. uh, ben, same question to you, and then I- I've got a follow up for you. So go ahead. Uh, okay, I'm probably gonna have a follow up to your follow up. Yeah, I expect that you uh, would will. I extend him? Yes, I I would, and here's why. Um, you know, obviously, Tomlin. I shouldn't say obviously because Tomlin says obviously all the time. <laughs> uh, well played, does, does man. Uh, I think I believe that Tomlin feels a sense of accountability to Mr. Rooney to the fan base, to the organization. I don't think that that's ever been an issue. Okay. One, two, mm-hmm. I don't see Tomlin going any place until Ben retires. And I, I know I keep beating this drum, but yeah. it ain't going to happen because if you hire a new coach, Ben's got to learn a new offense. Yeah. And if you tell your, your interview, your interviews that they have to keep the current offensive coordinator to keep the quarterback happy, you dilute your pool of prospective head coaches, and they go, well, if I can't have my own guy, I, I don't know that I want this job. 
So and you're down to the the dregs of of the candidates, mm-hmm. and that just compounds the problem. So I don't see Tomlin going any place at least until Ben retires. So you're talking at least I'm thinking two, three, four, five years. I don't know how mm-hmm. long Ben can play, how long he wants yeah. to play. Um, but I don't see Tomlin going anywhere until that comes to fruition. So knowing that, and also knowing that if he does not get an extension. He's going to face questions this yeah. year from the media, and they may not be once a week, but several times this season, he will be asked about the status of his contract and how he feels about that. And that's going to, it's not so much going to weigh on him. It's going to grind on him. It's going to yeah. wear him down. It, you know, it's going to be something if I don't miss my guess, he's going to refuse to talk about it all. Just like he pretty much always has. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna it's gonna wear him down some and add stress to an already stressful situation where you're the head coach of an NFL team. So I would go ahead and I would extend him. Now I would add two more years now, but it doesn't sound like, right. at least according to Jerry Dulac and Ed Bouchette and some others, it sounds mm-hmm. as though the Steelers may be inclined to make this a prove it year. Now, that said, Jerry and Ed also said that the Steelers would uh, would cut Bud Dupree or try to sign him to a, a longer-term deal to lower his cap hit and not honor his fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. Well, the Steelers did exactly the opposite. They just went ahead and honored right. the fifth-year option. They never even entertained cutting him. Right. So, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if they're hearing things from the right people. And you know, whether or not they're absolutely correct. So we'll see what, what happens. Um, that's, that's the long answer, but I, I think a lot of what has to be taken into consideration by the people that argue that, that the Steelers always have superior talent is they don't. And mm-hmm. they Steelers do not always have superior talent. They've had superior talent along the offense for a few years, but so did the, the Indianapolis Colts for a lot of years. And they won one ring with Peyton Manning. And the reason for that was their defense wasn't good enough. And the Steelers have the same problem. The defense isn't good enough. And the guy who's mm-hmm. picking the groceries that go into the cupboard is Kevin Colbert, not Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Nope. Kevin nope. Colbert. So point the finger at the right guy. So what's your okay. follow-up, Mark? Well, before I get to the follow-up, the biggest single thing I think in in – the situation is Ben Roethlisberger because I, I I couldn't agree more. If if you've just got a you know Joe Schmo playing quarterback, then I don't even hesitate to say to you, no, don't extend him. Let him coach this year. Let's see what he can do. Blah blah blah. But it, you're absolutely right. If if Ben's still there, you decide you're not keeping Mike Tomlin. You really do eliminate the pool of good candidates because you know you're going to say, as you said, well, it's it, the quarterback wants this offense, so this is what you're going to have to do. I mean, you're, you're not going to get too many guys that are going to agree to that, you know. Um, so that, that's where I'm at with it. I, I do agree with you. I think you want to take that off the table. The last thing you want is Mike Tomlin sitting up there every single week during his Tuesday presser being asked about an extension. That's just one headache after another there. Um, but but the, the follow-up of what I, I wanted to mention to you was I, I noticed 
people talking about coaching trees on on social media <laughs> and you know and then that Mike Tomlin doesn't really have any sort of a coaching tree now everybody points to Bill Belichick okay look at Bill Belichick's coaching tree okay how many uh of his coaching tree have any of them been to a super bowl no uh, I, but no it's not yeah I, look the, the, the big picture what people need to understand is right is Belichick has an extensive coaching tree as a testament to his length of of coaching the length of his career coaching in the NFL true okay it's not about how good an influencer he is because the majority of the guys especially you look at the half dozen the last half dozen guys that have left Belichick Matt Patricia mm-hmm. do you have high hopes for Matt Patricia I don't in Detroit no Bill O'Brien on his best day he's Jeff Fisher on his best day <laughs> on his best day he is Jeff Fisher Josh McDaniels failure okay Charlie yeah. Weiss failure Romeo Cornell failure Eric Mangini failure all these yeah. guys failed yes people keep bringing up well what about Nick Saban what about Nick Saban what about Nick Saban with the Dolphins failure right. failure what about Al Groh with the Jets failure Okay, uh, yep. Kirk Ferentz coached with him for two years. Two years of the thirty-two years that he was a, an assistant coach before he became head coach at Iowa, he worked with with Bill Belichick. How much influence did Belichick really have? Right. So my point is just this: the the vaunted Belichick coaching tree isn't really that big a deal. Uh, I'm not going to make a comparison between a guy who's literally been coaching since the '70s. To a guy like Mike Tomlin, who coached for three years in the pros before he became a head coach in Pittsburgh, and right. all in has 16 years experience in the NFL. It's yeah. it's a completely different animal. It's ridiculous to even make the comparison, so I won't do it. Well, and that's why I poked the bear there with that, because it it, it is it is apples and oranges. And, you know, Mike Tomlin has had guys go off to the college ranks. He's had guys move on in other directions for other assistant jobs. But, you know, I, I, I get it. Everybody wants to talk about, well, what about Tom Landry's coaching tree? What about Bill Parcell's coaching oh, tree? What about, you know, well, how big was Chuck Knoll's coaching tree? Uh, well, I, I, Tony Dungy. <laughs> okay. No, That's the most I, I, I'm just, guy I can think of. Right. Um, right. Ron, and, 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 you Ron know, he, he's, I don't know. <laughs> right. I, I mean, there's a few, but I mean, it's just fascinating to me how we often use that as a barometer well, um, to, to, to judge or, or to support our arguments and you, stuff. You know, and where that, it you know. came from is, is Paul Brown and Bill Walsh and, and Walsh actually yes. worked for, Walsh actually worked for Paul Brown, uh, but but those two guys spawned a lot of assistant coaches who became head coaches, and a lot of those coaches were successful. Yeah. And Tom Landry, to a lesser degree, had had some success too. And and Landry also had twenty consecutive winning seasons in Dallas, yeah. which is something you will never ever see again ever. That's that's the greatest job coaching that will ever. And I hate to say that because it's the Cowboys, but that is the greatest job coaching that will ever take place in the NFL. Um, But those, those three guys have these extensive coaching trees with a successful track record. So everybody tries to go to that standard and that they're trying, they're trying as hard as they can 
to make Belichick that guy. And he just isn't. He's not. Belichick is obviously a great coach. You don't go to all these Super Bowls without being a great coach. But but this coaching tree should not be the the uh, definitive benchmark of of how great you are versus another coach. I, I never really bought into that myself. But um, we're going to uh, start wrapping things up here on the show. Uh, wait Chris, a minute. Wait a minute, Chris. What? what? Chris. Quick, yeah. quick question for you. Let, let's talk a little bit about about our friend Kevin Colbert and his fantastic drafts. The last, well, I was oh, waiting I for Chris to jump in when you were mentioning that Where's earlier. Go from the... like 2013 on when he picked uh, one Jarvis Jones, Bud Dupree, um, Artie Burns, name? Artie Burns. Uh, we can go down the list, but <clears throat> what I want to do real quick is give him some credit for this this draft. I think he he did a really good job this draft and a, a decent offseason at, at the least with with some money. Um, I, I think he did a good job. Yeah, I so, mean, you, yeah. you have to give credit where it's due, <laughs> but by the same token, when I look back at the 2008 draft, I thought oh, it was a back, fantastic oh. draft class. You know, you had Mendenhall, Lima Swede, Bruce Davis, Tony Hills, Dennis Dixon, Mike Humpall, Ryan Mundy. You look at that class on draft day and you went, wow, we got so lucky the way things fell. That was one of the worst classes ever, ever. Those guys sucked. So I never, it's the whole, it's the old don't count your chickens before they hatch thing. I want to wait and see what happens with this class. But I was pleased that he actually showed some balls and traded up for a player that he needed, which is something he should have done last year. Don't get him started on Derwin James. He might start yeah, crying. I might. Of course, I might too. But uh, anyway, we're going to get the heck out of here, guys. Uh, good show for uh, the the dead period. I mean, hey, what can you do? We'll uh, we'll be starting to have our uh, training camp previews coming up soon and um, uh, start, start breaking down just who you should be watching at training camp if you're going and everything else. Make sure you visit our store, by the way, at Design Tree. You can find the uh, link right on the main page of our website. Get some cool Steel City Blitz gear. And plus, we got some original stuff. Juju, the Prince of Pittsburgh, and a few other things there as well. And uh, once again, thank you to our sponsor, 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. For Ben and Chris, this is Steel Dad signing off. And hey, go Steelers.